is the Lindell Report, bringing you news combined with hope by offering practical and achievable action points to assist you in defending and preserving faith and freedoms. And now, here is your host, Mike Lindell. Welcome back, and we are talking with Naomi Wolf. And uh, Naomi is, she could be labeled lots of things, but I view her as just one of the people who I listen to, uh, who I read when she writes, because she thinks, she thinks independently, she thinks rigorously, originally, uh, and that's a, I, that is as high accommodation as I could give anyone uh, who is writing these days, because there's so much that uh, is uh, going on in this country, and you always provide a perspective. Not always have we agreed on things, but we... I've always respected your view, and, you so and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. So let's let's talk about where we are in your view. You were, you've described yourself to me as a classic liberal five years ago, uh, but you've had a bit of a journey in that, as witnessing your present <laughs> spirit at CPAC. At CPAC. <laughs> Tell us about that. Sure. I mean, I... I thought I lived in a world that was coherent and made sense intellectually and morally. For the last 35 years, I've been a, a fixture in the legacy media and a fixture on the left. Right. Um, you know, wrote eight bestsellers, well-known. I was an advisor to Vice President Gore and to President Clinton's reelection campaign. Um, and then, like, overnight, all of that changed, and I had to reassess everything I thought. So in June of 2021, I was deplatformed from Twitter for reporting accurately about uh, symptoms women were having upon receiving the mRNA injection. And overnight, I was deplatformed from Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and there was a global smear campaign right. that two state attorney general's lawsuits found originated from the White House, um, putting illegal pressure on social media companies right. to censor people like me. Right. So in that time, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because the people who did want to talk to me because they cared about what was happening with women and babies were conservatives and libertarians and people of faith, a lot of pastors, a lot of ministers. And um, so for the last two and a half years, I've been in a completely different world, you know, surrounded by people like this. And I've learned so much, but one of one of the things I've learned is that many of the things I believed are before 19, uh, before 2021 are not true. Mm -hmm. So one of the chapters in my most recent book, Facing the Beast, is, Dear Conservatives, I Apologize, because so much of what I thought was true just wasn't true. Um, what, what, yeah. What, give us a, for, a for instance, uh, what uh, a truth that wasn't. Okay. Well, when you're in the elite left, elite globalist left, which I have to be honest, that was right. like my world. Um, you, <clears throat> you're told that everyone who's a conservative is a, is full of hate, you know, racist, homophobic, uh, misogynist. And in the kind of refiner's fire of the last two and a half years, sadly, what I found is that people who are conservative right now or libertarian are open-minded and tolerant and um, willing to listen to multiple points of view and 
less racist in some ways and less misogynist in some ways. And that really the, the hateful views and the rigid orthodoxies and the censorship and the um, willingness to embrace a discrimination society based on medical status, at least for a while, came from the left. It's, it's, it is amazing to me, uh, even as I'm listening to you speak, thinking back to 2021, the peak of the uh, pandemic, uh, the information that we were fed from the government. And, and by the way, this was a classic uh, liberal view back in the 60s and 70s, the view, the skepticism about right. government. Right. Somehow the left lost that skepticism and, and suddenly they are, if you will, the enemy in our society uh, that uh, government was in the 60s and 70s to most of us in that generation. And the difference is there doesn't seem to be a cause uh, for the left and for the right. Mostly it's about restoration, uh, somehow resurrecting the public and freedom in our society, the idea of individual liberty. Uh, all of these things ring to the ear like the cliches they are, but they have great meaning uh, to the to the right. Uh, and this is where I think this country is most sincerely cherished, uh, which is unfortunate. I have to agree with you. Um, I thought that, yeah, there's been a complete 180 degree shift. In the 60s, it was the left that was the free speech movement, anti-censorship, and it's the left leading the charge to create a whole censorship industrial mm -hmm. complex now. Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, I just think about my body, my choice, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that, um, I mean, in, in one of my books, <laughs> I talk about how Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor and, and Justice uh, Kagan were arguing in one uh, situation that women had the right to make medical decisions about their bodies mm -hmm. and that their decisions should be personal and between themselves and their doctors. Mm -hmm. And the state has no role to force um, something on a, a woman medically. In the next breath, they're arguing in favor of Biden's vaccine mandates and they don't notice any um, incongruity or any disruption in their logic. And again, you know, the same thing with a two-tier society. My friends or my former friends on the left would never discriminate against someone for their color or because they're a lesbian or homosexual. But overnight, they embraced a, a society in New York City, where I live uh, much of the time, in which I, as an unvaccinated person, could not walk into a restaurant and eat with my family. Um, they were fine with a, a discrimination society based on medical status. No problem with it at all. Um, and so this was very stunning to me. The same people who, you know, like Robert Reich, who's supposed to care about uh, injustices in economics, was fine with a three-year period in which there was a massive wealth transfer from working class people and middle class people to a handful of rich people with the lockdowns as the engine of the wealth transfer. And I, I follow the money here in my book, The Bodies of Others, people who are supposed to care about women's issues, women's rights, like Susan Faludi, had nothing to say about the fact that women are back to like pre-1972 employment levels because they had to go home and look after kids who were locked in their rooms right. on a computer through forced lockdowns. I could go on and on, but it, the hypocrisy was stunning or the lack of self-awareness, stunning. The, the lack of self-awareness, I've, I've often wondered whether it's a lack of self-awareness on the part of the so-called liberals uh, 
most are Marxist in point of fact, in the judgment. Uh, and I just want to hold this up so everybody can see this. Uh, new book from Naomi Wolf, uh, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19 and the War Against the Human. The title is The Bodies of Others, uh, and we recommend it to you highly. Uh, Naomi is, as I said, an uh, original thinker uh, and uh, a wonderful writer. Thank you. Uh, so I, I want to turn to this issue of the orthodoxies, whether we're talking about the orthodoxies of the, of the medical establishment, public health orthodoxies, uh, and the just outright authoritarian streak that runs through particularly this administration, in my judgment, uh, the Biden regime. It is, it's, the policies are at once devastating. Uh, they are praised by the national left-wing media, the corporatist media, and none of it adds up for the most of the American people. They think it's, I think, I'm sure many of them think, well, it must be me instead of the. Your thoughts? Gosh, well, I agree with you that this is, I mean, neither party has a an exclusive um, imprimatur on authoritarianism, right? That might my, I'm sorry. On authoritarianism. <laughs> they can both be plenty fascistic. I wrote a book in 2007 called The End of America during the Bush era because a lot of these trends toward a more authoritarian America started after 9-11 and started and were kind of amplified by the Bush regime. So neither party is innocent. But then Obama picked up right after that droning Americans and expanding Guantanamo and the same people who were so mad at Bush, you know, on the left for restricting civil liberties and free speech were fine with Obama doing it. Excused right? everything. Excused everything. So I, I do agree with you that right now um, the Biden administration is terrifyingly authoritarian. I mean, I've never seen anything in America like the president of the United States yelling at his own citizens uh, in the fall of 2021 saying, you know, we're losing patience. There's going to be a winter of severe disease and death, and you're going to kill your loved ones, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen anything like the tone he took. I've never seen anything like the threats he made, the, the fact that he forced our soldiers and our sailors and our first responders uh, to do something they didn't want to do in order mm -hmm. to keep their jobs. That's so, that violates national law and international law. It's a violation of the Nuremberg Code. Um, that prevents uh, forced medical intervention. Yeah, he's super authoritarian. I, I personally have concluded that he's a captive administration, and I voted for him, um, and that China and, and our adversaries in the form of, and I named the bad, the bad guys, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, have kind of captured uh, our administration currently and and that there's a war on the United States and war on, on the population in the United States. The subtitle of your book, the book being The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians. Uh, are they really new, I wonder? It's a good point. I mean, I think, like, I've so I studied the history of authoritarianism for my book, um, The End of America, and I found that tyrants, whether they're on the left or on the right, always do the same 10 things. Mm -hmm. So there's a playbook. So in that sense, the same things we're seeing from the tyrant's playbook are not new. However, the guise of public health, which was the rationale for ushering in 
locking people in their homes, uh, preventing their free assembly as guaranteed by the Constitution, instituting emergency law, which is step 10 of the 10 steps to fascism, right? There's, there's no coming back once you get to emergency law without a lot of struggle. Um, you know, the censorship, all of these were done in the name of public health and for the public good. And that is a new uh, costume um, of old-fashioned authoritarianism. It, it, it is a remarkable uh, journey that you've been on. Uh, it is a remarkable journey this country has been on, and it uh, continues a treacherous path, uh, uncertain uh, goals, and uh, and here we are. Uh, your your sense of how important this election is, and does it wrinkle you that you might, with living a life as a liberal, you might have to support a conservative, if indeed that is what you would think. I mean, I can't possibly vote for, I walked away from the Democrats. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am politically homeless right now, but I can't possibly support what they've done. I can't enable mm -hmm. another administration like this one. Um, so my real concern, uh, Mr. Dobbs, is um, election integrity because I'm a tech CEO now. Mm -hmm. And so I asked my developer, is is it true that there are problems with voting machines? And he explained to me three different ways the voting machines are cannot be secured. You don't have to hack them. An algorithm can count wrong. I'm sure you know all of this even better than I do. And also, as he pointed out, you can just give the back-end credentials to some guy in Serbia or someone in Beijing. And our, we don't know who's won American elections since 2005. That's really true. So I've drafted, along with the American Voters Alliance, an election integrity bill, which is only 19 pages. It's in simple, clear English. And the legislators who have introduced it uh, in two states and others around the country are telling us that it solves most solves the main problems with our voting system. So that's my focus, because we can't know what will happen. They, they'll steal it again. One of the things that's interesting to me is the, the fact that we have such a complicated process and machines doing what is should be simple addition totally. because there is no point. We have machines that apparently also do uh, subtraction as well. And in an interesting case in Georgia, Amy Totenberg, the federal judge who's uh, presiding over that case, uh, putting forward a very straightforward issue, and that is how vulnerable are the machines in Georgia? And what has ensued, it was a four-week trial, 135 pages uh, of an original order uh, to make that determination. We're waiting the her verdict. But it's going to be quite interesting because, as you say, one, I think, the leading professor and uh, expert witness on voting machines, uh, Alex uh, Halderman at uh, the University of Michigan, he hacked the machines in five seconds with a big pen to substantiate what you were just saying. I'm not surprised. But like Mr. Dobbs, it's it's common sense. We know we can't so odd to hear me called Mr. Dobbs. Okay. I'll call you Lou if you say Thank to call you. please call me Naomi. We we get emails saying, Oh, you know, your credit bureau file has been hacked, your credit card has been hacked, your, you know, mortgage documents have been hacked. We know that nothing digital is secure. And nothing digital is secure. We know it. And and, and but you don't even have to hack the machine is what I, I keep trying to explain to people because I'm so astonished. The algorithm, any algorithm just does what 
a developer tells it to do. So you can, and we're not allowed to look at the algorithms, right? They're proprietary for these machines. They're not public. Um, so the algorithm can be told to count three Democratic votes for every one Republican vote so easily, and you would not know because it's a secret algorithm. Are you convinced 2020 was rigged? Totally. I mean, and let me put it another way. Just like when I looked at the data that underlay the pandemic surges of deaths and infections, I found that you could not verify the data sets because you weren't allowed to see the data sets. And I, again, I run a, a, a company that works with government databases. Right. By the same token, we can't verify 2020 or 2016 or anything back to 2005 when these machines were introduced because you can't check the outcome against the inputs and data science is garbage in, garbage out. And the reality is that all of that uh, evidence, those those ballots and all of the records of the elections were supposed to be held for 22 months and they were destroyed within 10 in so many, in so many jurisdictions. You know, it is great to have you with us. And I want to remind everybody, the book is The Bodies of Others and we recommend it to you highly. Thank you. Anyway, good talking with you as always. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Phil. To celebrate the new year, we're having the biggest sale ever on overstock clearance and brand new products. For example, save 60% on our Goose Down comforters, the best comforters ever. They go perfectly with our MyPillow bed sheets and duvet covers. Save 25% on our brand new kitchen towels. They're made with the same technology as our famous My Towels. Our initial quantities are extremely low, so get them now before they go. Our seasonal flannel sheets are finally in. You save up to 50% and they sell out fast every year, so order now. They're truly the best flannel sheets you'll ever sleep on. Or save up to 80% on all our clearance items. And this is where it gets even better. For a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use that promo code to get deep discounts on all MyPillow products. And for a limited time, your order ships absolutely free. And welcome back. And now we're talking with Mike Davis. He is the founder, the head of the Article 3 Project, uh, conservative attorney uh, and brilliant attorney. Uh, we're delighted to have you with us. Thank you. And I had to pay you how much for that intro? Well, the bill will rise as we go. <laughs> yeah, good. So I just wanted to, first of all, welcome you to the show. And let's let's get to the point of it, if you, if you will. And I know you will because you've done it for a very long time. But I think this is something that's very important for the audience to know. Yep. What has happened to this, this, this court system of ours, this judiciary, uh, and the judicial system itself. Well, it started under President Obama when he puts left-wing activists on the courts and he put left-wing activists in the Justice Department, including these career slots at Maine Justice, the FBI, and the key U.S. attorney's offices like the D.C. U.S. attorney's office. And our justice system has been politicized, has been weaponized, against, not only against Trump, a billionaire, former and future president who you know, has the resources to fight this. They're going after Trump's uh, top aides, his lawyers, January 6th, defending his supporters on January 6th. They're going after parents uh, outraged by gender chaos in the schools and the resulting rapes in high school bathrooms. They're going after Christians who are praying outside of abortion clinics while they give amnesty to Joe Biden, his corrupt family, BLM, Antifa, Hamas, abortion industry activists. 
system of justice in this country, and it started under Obama. Started under Obama. He said he was going to fundamentally transform America. And, and he did. And we're learning to listen when the Marxist Dems, and he is certainly that, yep. uh, tell us what they're going to do because they mean it. Uh, he also told us that he would want, if he, if he had his druthers, uh, a role in the background where he could call the major decisions but not have to put up with any of the ceremonial and tedious aspects of the job of being the uh, chief executive of the U.S. government. He's also achieved that. Yeah, uh, in my opinion. Yes. I mean, he kept a house here in Washington, D.C. How many former presidents have kept a house here? What was it? Woodrow Wilson, who had a stroke and kept a house here. Other than that, President Obama kept a house. He has a mansion in Colorado, and he has his key officials in key posts throughout the Biden White House and the Biden administration. So as we establish this, as we look at it, Barack Obama, the Marxist Dems, this uh, puppet president, impaired, clearly, mm -hmm. compromised, clearly. Who is running this country in your judgment? Is it the court system? Is it, is it the justices and the judges and the prosecutors? I think it's clearly Barack Obama who's running this country. And he's running President Biden, his demented, corrupt puppet, uh, Joe Biden in the White House. And, and Barack Obama has his key lieutenants throughout the administration. And he has his key people in the Justice Department, including the FBI. He has his key people in the U.S. Attorney's Office. He has his key people on the federal judiciary. And it's really the Supreme Court is the last line of defense. And that is not a very strong last line of defense. It certainly hasn't been to this point. My, my goodness, I, I never dreamed that we would see such, frankly, cowardice and disinterest on the part, on the part of the court in the integrity of the judicial system itself. And, and Mike, to think what this country has been and what it is today, the Republicans have not come up with an answer to the, to the authoritarian streak, to the totalitarian purpose of the Barama, the, Barama, the Obama uh, barrage of policies that are just antithetical to everything the country stands for. Why can't somebody get to the judicial system, correct it in every other? What happened to checks and balances, for crying out loud? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you're seeing the Obama slash Biden regime going after Trump, because he's the one guy who knew that there was a problem. He was the outsider. He was not part of the uniparty. He was not the globalist. And he came in and shook up this place. And he shook up not only the Justice Department and the FBI, he, sh he shook up our trade agreements, right? Mm -hmm. He shook up our immigration system where we started to build an immigration system that put America first and a trade regime that put America first and a legal system that was putting America first. And that's why you see this lawfare against Trump. They hate him. And it's not just the Democrats who hate him. It's the Republicans in D.C. Too many of the uniparty Republicans, the globalists in D.C. who also hate him. You know, Congressman Corey Mills was here at CPAC earlier talking with us, and he said he wished people would not vote based on party uh, identification solely because it is important to understand that Republicans, many of them, are actually closer to, and I'm paraphrasing, are more more aligned uh, with the, uh, the Marxist left in this country than they are the Republican Party. And he has a, a great point, I think. Yeah, I think what we have with today's D.C. Uniparty is you have the Marxist left, 
who runs this town, and then you have the cowardly Republicans who want to go along because they're scared. And they, you know, they make money off of it, their families make money off of it, and they don't give a damn about our country going off of a cliff. Talking with Mike Benz of the Foundation for Freedom Online the other day, talking about the reality is that our government has turned against us. They are censoring us. They're using the same tools, the same programs that they used against ISIS, against the American people. And and to listen to the the degree to which our government is now weaponized against the American people, censoring us, uh, particularly conservatives, particularly MAGA Republicans, uh, without any response whatsoever. And no one has been held to account because no one, first of all, wants to admit that that is the case. The third, the Democrat Party has become not an opposition party. It's become the enemy of the state. Uh, and in fact, the enemy of this republic. So how do we get from where we are to where we need to be? Because this is, I, I think you would agree with me, an existential election. And no more games, no more nonsense with jargon and uh, you know, facile, facile language. We have to name the enemy and understand we've got to respond. I think you're absolutely right that we are facing republic-ending tactics by the left, whether it's turning our government against the American people. And if you think January 6th, the prosecution of January 6th defendants was bad, just wait. Just wait until if Biden wins a second term and the Democrats win control of the Supreme Court and there's no one left to protect the American people. I agree with you, Lou. This election means everything. It means the Supreme Court. It means the lower federal courts. It means our country. And I think that the one person on this planet who has the, the resources and the backbone to do this is Donald J. Trump. And if he's not back in that White House after November 5th, 2024, you can kiss our country goodbye. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're exactly right. And the importance of that date, November 5th, is uh, critical to the future, uh, the destiny of this uh, republic. As we as we watch what is happening on Capitol Hill, as we watch what is happening with this White House, as we watch what's happening in the courts, it is clear that the intellectual, the in, the intel agencies themselves, the intel community, is somehow manipulating this government right now. I don't think there's any doubt. When you see justices in the Supreme Court bending quickly away from their conservative ideology, making extraordinary uh, judgments as justices. This, this looks like a country right now who's, uh, whoever is in charge of the government now, uh, frankly, they're not afraid to blackmail uh, and coerce, intimidate Supreme Court justices. They have no hesitation how do we get by this? How do we get through this? Well, I mean, we're talking about intel agencies and law enforcement that they are using the tactics that we should use against our work, worst enemies, like China, like Iran, like North Korea, and they are turning those tactics inward to, to go against their political enemies. Is there any countervailing power that can be mustered in the courts by the uh, legal system? Because I can't find a way for the, uh, frankly, 
for conservatives or patriots to prevail against these Marxists who mean to destroy the country, who mean, in point of fact, to make certain this is their government uh, for, for the millennia. I think our best hope is Donald Trump. Now, he came in as a political novice. He had never, never ran for office before. When he won the presidency, it was his first job in government. And he'll never admit this, but, uh, you know, I think that this time around, I think he's he will he will understand the mistakes he made in his first term. And I think he's going to be much better prepared on day one and coming in eyes wide open and not naive to the fact that he has an evil government that uh, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's the intelligencies that that tried to take him out as a candidate in 2016. They interfered in the 2016 election. They interfered in the 2020 election. They're going to try to interfere again in the 2024 election. President Trump's going to come in eyes wide open, and he's going to make serious, immediate changes to these intel agencies, to federal law enforcement, including reassigning these leaders who Obama put in, reassigning them to the southern border before he fires them. Who wins, the Marxist left or MAGA Republicans. It's going to be MAGA Republicans because I think God's on our side. If we don't win, our country's gone. Western civilization is gone. The world is gone. We cannot let the Marxists left win this next election or there's, we're, we're going to have nothing left. Mike Davis, Article 3 Project. Thanks so much, Frank. Thank you, Lou. I appreciate, appreciate it very much. All the yep, best. See ya. Take care. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. <gasps> when I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your MyPillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com Welcome back. And uh, as you can see here, we're uh, uh, visiting with Mike Lindell, normally the host of this hour, but I'm uh, his, uh, I guess I'm your, uh, your co-host. You're, you're my, you are the host. I'm going to be the interviewee. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do all the work. Is that yeah, that's right. All right. Well, it's great to have this opportunity. We're coming to everybody from uh, CPAC, and uh, it's been an extraordinary uh, convention, and it's, it's wonderful to see all of these people who are committed MAGA Americans, uh, America first Americans, mm -hmm. uh, talking and uh, energizing uh, everyone here and inspiring, I think, uh, all of us to do uh, a lot to make sure that this is one election uh, that the uh, the president, uh, the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, wins. Right. Uh, I, I want to turn to first the time that you spend on these issues that are important to everyone, electoral integrity, uh, the the decency of uh, life in America uh, that has been replaced with, in some cases, uh, utter um, indecency. I'll just go that far. Mm -hmm. And get a sense of 
whether you think that there is any relationship between now and five years ago. Could you have imagined this country being this different from even five years ago? No, it's, uh, it, I think, uh, anybody, if you'd have put up, uh, if you'd look and say, here, God lets you open up and you see the future and going, <laughs> that would be like, uh, you'd go, I always say this to people, Lou, back in the, you know, my friends would go, you know, um, would you have ever believed this? And I said, if I'd have told you guys back then, you'd have said, what are you on crack? And I would have said, yeah, I was, because back then it was on crack, you know? And so here I'm this addict back then. And I, you know, for me, I didn't think politics meant anything. I never voted in my life. And, and you get up to 2016, you know, I was set free of all my addiction on January 16, 2009. But on, by a divine appointment, I meet Donald Trump on August 15, 2016. And, and then I started, obviously, I went all in, I know, and, uh, but I had to learn what a, you know, the difference between a Democrat, a Republican, a fil- I didn't know a filibuster from a millibuster, right? I, and, uh, but I learned all these things, and I go, I didn't think politics affected anything, and, and then I realized they affect everything, these decisions being made. And I look at what our great real president did. You get up to December of 2019, before the China virus was sent in. Right. You bring it up to there. Everybody's lives had somewhat improved, no matter where your baseline was. Absolutely. And then you get into this. All of a sudden, they throw in this China virus. Then you get this election, the biggest crime in the history of the world, followed by the biggest cover-up of the biggest crime in history. They're all in to take everything. But for me, it's like living inside of a movie that nobody would believe. I you know, my book, Lou, What Are the Odds from Crack Addict right. to CEO, that ended, I believe, in the summer of 2019. And, and from that point on, I said to everyone, everything I lived in my life up to that point, nobody could even believe. I, in the book, I had pictures to prove things happened. And now from that point on, you could multiply all this by a thousand because people just wouldn't believe it unless you've lived it like we have these last few years. You know? And to think about you're talking about the fall of 2019. Within a few months, the COVID-19 virus is uh, discovered. Uh, within three months from that point, we are uh, on at the onset of a uh, the worst epi- epidemic in the country's history. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in 2024 facing an election uh, with President Donald Trump uh, seeking to uh, regain the White House and uh, all of us uh, praying that he gets back. And I can't even imagine anyone in this country uh, not wanting him back because he has a proven record. Mm -hmm. We have a president who's impaired, uh, who is corrupt, uh, and there's no debating it. There's no, it's unequivocal. Why in the world uh, are we in this situation in your judgment at this moment, unless, unless it is the the most rank, corrupt administration in our history. Well, it's uh, this is the unit party. I don't say this this administration. They're there to me. They're there. Here's a here's a puppet, you know, basically right. put in. And I really believe that, you know, like I tell our real president all the time. I said, there's a bucket. The stuff that's going on now, and I and is even the bad things. All this destruction is actually helping probably even more than in December of 2019. He did everything, everything that he, problem, solution, and what it manifested to help all people. Right. All of our lives improved. 
But you know what? People t- t- took that for granted back then. They're going, okay, wow, a great president. Even people on the left are going, their lives improved, but they didn't give him the credit for that, right? right? Well, all the bad things going on now, people are pouring into this bucket of common sense. Call it the Donald Trump bucket, the mega bucket, from both sides. I go all over this country. This is not a divided country, 50-50 Democrat, Republican, or liberal conservative. No, it's about, I'd say, somewhere between 70 and 75% have seen the light now. Yeah. They've seen the light. But what are we up against? The only way, and I, I was just with their president the other day, and we were talking, Mike, the only way I lose is if they steal it again. I said, you're exactly right. That's why I spend 18 hours a day and every and thousands of people in this country to to secure our elections. you got as much as we can before the, uh, before the election. Uh, just today we have in South Dakota, we have uh, over, oh, I think about 1,000 people showed up. At the Capitol in South Dakota, where in South Dakota's got a very unique situation. They, every county, there's 66 of them in South Dakota. Everyone can do their own vote if they get 5% of the a petition of 5% of the registered right. voters. They can vote in, uh, they can have a vote within 60 days. So all of them signed up. We have, I think, 30-some counties now. So they are all got their petition signed. So now within the next 60 days, they get to vote, the people do, on to get rid of the machines and get to paper ballots hand counted. And people say, well, why is that important, Mike? Or, or New Hampshire's doing the same thing. Right. Because we have fought for three years to get rid of the machines to get to paper ballots. Now we're going to have two beautiful prototypes of, you know, proof of concept that, hey, you can get it done. The people, we got to vote it out. The only way he would lose is if they steal it. And they can't steal it. He asked me a good question the president did the other day. He said, Mike, he said, um, do you think in the 2020 election, if there was if there wasn't computers, that they would have been able that they would have cheated to steal it anyway? I said they would have tried, but nobody. Now there, you a cabal of people could not have taken the amount of votes they stole from our real president, which was upwards of 15 million. You know, the real total is 80 some million for Donald Trump, 60 some million for Biden. And I don't want that to discourage people watching because well, then why do we bother and vote? Because right now. By the time we get to the election, we're going to have at least a third or half this country with paper ballots hand counted. The people will not allow the corruption to be sown. You know, this has become your mantra, and I notice that it's starting to spread around the country yeah. without any question whatsoever. Uh, it's actually, and it's an important uh, reminder to everybody, an important slogan. And that is paper ballots, same day voting. And and we've got to get there because uh, whether we're talking about the case in Georgia or there's a question about the vulnerability, uh, whether the vulnerability of the voting machines in Georgia are so great that the federal judge who's hearing the case has to make a decision. And she's, she's corny kind of, you know. Yeah. When someone hacks in with a ballpoint pen in five minutes and kind of flips an election. Well, it was actually, it was insane. You know, and here's the thing I want to tell everybody, you know, the media out there, they're going, Mike Lindell, he's a conspiracy theorist. That same judge said we're not conspiracy theorists if we, right. if we question elections. And also, I want everybody to know that, you know, they, oh, the, there's no evidence, there's no evidence. Not one judge in the United States looked at any of the evidence based on right. merit. Uh, none, not one. And that's really important for people to realize that, 
Another thing we have, Lou, now that we didn't have then, you had Argentina go to paper ballots in four months. You had Ecuador just went to paper ballots. These guys are here, the president of Argentina and stuff. These guys are here. You had Taiwan, paper ballots, hand count, save their country. You know, in countries all around the world that have paper ballots, France, Germany, UK, Netherlands. I've studied, I met with them personally, met with them, studied their systems. We actually have a better hand-counted system than they do that we have developed, and it was already used in Osage County, Missouri last year. It's interesting that you see all of these countries going to to paper ballots and hand-counting, and to think that we have all of these fancy uh, ways around uh, just counting the vote, tallying it up. And we've got against these machines now, suddenly there's uh, the ballot marking devices are in question, the tabulators are in question. Uh, The issue of whether or not you can have, uh, uh, you know, an internet free uh, voting machines and everything. Yeah. Everything is internet connected, whether it wants to be That's or right. those. Elect- the polling books now. Exactly. The polling books, the electronic, the computers that store our voter rolls. I mean, how do you like to live in Wisconsin where you have 7.3 million names on the voter rolls? And if everybody voted in Wisconsin that could, it's 4.1 million. Right. Now, come on, why do we need the other 3 million, right? <laughs> and, and it's, and so as we move forward here, this, we're 10 months away now. How long do you th- think it'll be before we have a, a, a decision really as to whether or not uh, paper ballots, uh, hand counting, will be uh, sufficient to avoid what we witnessed in 2020? I think you're going to have enough. All I can do is keep uh, the efforts in all 50 states we're working, all 50 states we're doing this. We're also working from the top down. Right. Uh, but the, you know, with, when I'm talking uh, attorney generals with Supreme Court, we have stuff going on there, stuff that I can't even say, stuff that's so explosive that the, you know, that the word is, we're learning. We get the word out and they attack, and we don't want to get attacked before you get the word out, right? And that's what I'm doing with our plan to take all the counties in the country, it's like a sales pitch, and all go through at once, which will be the end of March or early April. It was easy to do in South Dakota and New Hampshire. Is that kind of, we're going to send them right. at first. But we do this, and they immediately, it, can, it will take probably with our system and our training, probably a month to two months to completely flip over to paper ballots. Now, I told the real president this too, and I'll tell you this. Let's say we only get a fourth of those other counties in the country to paper ballots. What's going to happen is when you've seen those deviations of 2020 and 2022 come up, the public this time around is not going to put up with a, um, a deviation where here's a county that was paper ballots and Donald Trump wins by 80% and here's a county next to it that he loses. Uh, and, they're, and normally they're equal. You know what I mean? These are all deviations and some had, you had to have a different input to get a different output. Right. They will be caught. Well, that's, and that's a good point uh, because we've got to have a, some sort of basis, a baseline that says what is normal, what is uh, right. realistic, what is possible. There is no baseline no. for for those machines. There is no, uh, in point of fact, any suggestion whatsoever that any public official, public official, knows what was in uh, those machines and how the, no, the, the count was uh, perceived. No. And 
Yeah. And the, the cybersecurity and infrastructure security uh, agency that was supposed to be handling this. The one that attacks me all the time called CISA. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm the number one threat to democracy in the United States, they said. That's right, because, you know, you would you would suggest that mature adults have some considerable skepticism about the things that their government is doing <laughs> based on experience. Exactly. exactly. They would prefer we yeah, ignore yeah. it altogether. Yeah. But this is an agency that uh, clearly, clearly was uh, corrupt mm-hmm. in 2020. Uh, Chris Krabs, the then yeah. uh, director. And he, I believe he even got fired because he said that famous statement. This was the most yeah. secure election in American history. E wrong. You know? Absolutely. And, and a year and, and a year and a half later, they they quietly withdrew yeah. that statement. They, they withdrew that statement. And but you also know four months after that statement, in the spring of 21, he was on uh, Morning Joe with uh, Adam Schiff. Still at it. And they said, they asked him a question. What's the number one threat to the United States? Both of them said, bar none, a cyber attack by China right down to the local election. Man, you can't make that up. You can't make that up. I want to bring up one thing about when you talk about these machines. We do have, you know, there's a thing called Castro Records that Mm -hmm. we were able to get. The one thing our people can get is that under the Freedom of Information Act is Castro Record, which is, it's like a football game. If you missed a football game, here's your replay in the order it happens. Now, in a football game, if I say, hey, Look at the replay. You look at second quarter, it was 10 to 10. Third quarter, it was 10 to 7. You're going to look at me and go, um, think numbers don't go in reverse, right? So anyway, with the cast vote record, this is the order of the election, right? So when we get a cast vote record and you look at it, it either has manipulation or it doesn't. There's no in-between, right? But we got one-third of them in the 2020 election. When I reached out, told the country we had to get them by September 3rd of 2022. We got one third of the Casper records of, of the, in the whole United States. Of those counties, every single one of them was compromised. Every single one. Now, in 2022 election, we got one fourth of the country, okay, because the states wouldn't give it, like South right. Dakota wouldn't give us any Casper records. Republican state, why not? Why can't we get them? Exactly. You know, well, we found in Florida was the only place that there was. No computer manipulation. We finally go, wow, we actually found one you know, that didn't have any computer manipulation. And I'm the one that found it out. I go, isn't it weird that DeSantis won Miami-Dade County by 11% when no one had won that? Republicans hadn't won it. So I go, this is a deviation. I'm going to check into it, right? I'm going to check into it. And, and we dug into it, my cyber guys. We got other counties, too. Sure enough, now I'm going to say he did anything. They just didn't cheat. So it was mm-hmm. a complete election. They let the election happen without any computer funny business, right? right? Well, what we did, interestingly enough, and I want everybody to hear this, what we did is I said, you know what? We finally have an example. What if, what if life without the computers in this country? We took all the numbers from Florida and we extrapolated them across the United States. Guess what? Your country is 68% red. So they've been lying to us for a long time saying, we're 50-50. You know, it's your turn, Democrats, your turn, Republican. Lies. This uniparty thing they had going on has to go. And the implications of that, of course, are 68% red. Yet we have a, a situation in which illegal immigrants are pouring into this country the estimate is 14 million illegal immigrants uh, since Joe Biden right. took the the White House. The implication of that are draconian. 
uh, because that's five million, almost five million a year in three right. years. And what people forget is that the census uh, that is taken, they they count persons, not citizens. And these 15 million, uh, approximately 15 million uh, illegal immigrants are going to change the districts and the number of seats held by the Democrats uh, in the next in the next Congress. Right. It's that well, that's all part of their big plan. Yeah. I think, what did our real president say the other day? That's the second thing he's going to do. First thing, he's going to make our election same-day voting and paper ballots. Second thing is take all the illegals, the biggest mass deportation. You've got to yeah. get money. It's illegal. It, you know? and, and there is this insistence. The government right now is, without question, the biggest propaganda operation I could have ever imagined. Right, right. And the disinformation campaign that's waged against the American people is is horrible. The, the idea that our own government has decided we're the enemy, uh, that uh, the consent of the government isn't required, and that, yes, we're going to do exactly what we want, irrespective of the Supreme Court, uh, if it's uh, – Affirmative action, we're going to ignore it, says the Biden administration. Right. If it's uh, forgiving debt, uh, stu- uh, school loan debt, we're going to forgive it, even though the Supreme Court says, no, you can't do it. It's illegal. He doesn't care. Right. And we are on the precipice of something uh, that is really ugly to even think and, about. And, it's, and you know, the thing that, that always bothers me is how did they, how did they pull this off? It's the common sense thing where – where, where is, you say, our government, I think it's more of our media. You lost all the media out there that won't talk about these right. election platforms. They won't talk about certain things. It's like they're almost allowing it to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Allowing this stuff to happen. And because if you got the people going, they're blatantly, all this stuff is illegal. Right. And, if, you, and if, you, if it doesn't make sense, I always say, there's another agenda. If it doesn't help, when I say either party, I'm talking about the people now. If sure. I say I'm a Democrat, you're a Republican, sure. liberal. If it doesn't help any of us, a decision made, there's a hidden evil agenda there. You know, you know, I mean, normally in politics, I would think you you, you want to maybe help your own party or help your own people. Well, you, say, you would think, but you would think, but they're not doing helping anybody of the people. It's a, this is a takeover. These globalists, the Uniparty, the deep state. That's what I believe. It's an evil of epic proportions. But I do believe, where would we be sitting today if we didn't have all the, if 2020 hadn't happened, and we would have all, let's say they under they underestimated the, the how many votes Donald Trump was going to get. They underestimated that. That's what right. they did. So he broke the algorithms, and they would have, all those sweet states, he was going to win anyway. But let's say they'd have predicted, right, they would have stolen enough to, to, Whatever to win those states. We'd all went to bed at 3 in the morning, and you know what you and I would have said? Oh, we took God out of our schools. Where is our country gone? It's gone for good. That's what have been the thing, even though reality is that wasn't true at all. That was not true at all. And and uh, so I feel it's a blessing where we're at where because it's opened so many people's eyes to reality. Well, I think you're right about that. And uh, there is, I, I sense at least, uh, talking with people here at the CPAC, uh, talking with people uh, just in general in workaday life, uh, people are awakening to the real, the, the very real threat that is posed by the weaponization of the federal government. Mm-hmm. They are awakening to the fact that they're going to have to be participatory uh, in this democratic system yeah. and that we really have to take seriously the threats to this republic. And I hear more 
people saying it. You talked about earlier, uh, 75% of the country uh, understanding what is happening, 68% read. We're talking about numbers somewhere around three-fourths of the country are not Marxist dens and hate the fact that we're going in this direction. And we're going to find out how profoundly they hate it uh, in the election. But to, to look at the way our government is behaving, they've decided that if you are in that 68%, you are an enemy of the people. Yeah, yeah. If you're a Christian, you are an enemy of the people. If you are in any way questioning the elections, as you you're alluded to. You're a triple enemy. Oh, yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> it doesn't get any worse than that. Crown. You know, they, they still have my phone. The FBI takes my phone. Do they still they have my phone? They asked me today, the, the, the Supreme Court in Minnesota told the government they had to give it back and they go because i sued the government and the fbi they said they had to give it back they go okay they haven't given it back yet i mean you can't you you can't you know wrap your head around that i'm going yeah i've done nothing wrong give me my phone you took you know the day they took that i told them i wanted to be arrested you know i wouldn't arrest me they would not arrest me I remember you telling me that, and I have to have to tell you, I was thinking, well, I'm not sure that's a, a request I would have made. The lawyer's going, give him the phone. I go, no, I want to get arrested. I wanted to be on Fox News and talk about the election machine. You know, the, the very least that should have happened is the the FBI should have gotten from the fast food uh, joint that you were. Uh, Hardee's, Hardee's. Hardee's, especially Hardee's. I, I, I like their, their biscuits and gravy. But uh, they should have given you at least a one-year supply of fast food or something. I don't think their orders down there, are they, I mean, they did some good publicity on that, actually. You, you know. took good care of them. Yep, yep, you know, if I a guy didn't know better, yep. we would think you were, know something about marketing. Right. right. You, know, you know, when I stop in Hardy's now, they go, they're looking around for the being followed. <laughs> I, remember, I remember my friend being so nervous, though. I mean, that could have been so dangerous. You know, here it was one o'clock in the afternoon, right. and I pulled up there, and I'm surrounded on all three sides. And I told my friend we had just come back on a hunt trip, guns in the back seat, and I said, "I said something's going down." You know, I've been, I've been, you know, my past, and I'm going. This, this was, this was a little bit of a deviation, right? Oh. So I, I remember getting out, and going, "Who are you, and what do you want?" And the guy goes, "FBI said I don't believe you. Show me your badge." He shows me a badge. I said, "How about you? I'm going to see your badge." And he shows me a badge. He goes, "Well, you bad guys wouldn't have two badges, so what do you want?" And I pulled pulled up, and they, uh, "We're not going to arrest you. We just want to talk." Well, my friend gets out now. He's all nervous and coming up, and the guy, the FBI's are going, going, uh, you know, we don't mean to, you know, we're just asking questions. I go. I go, I, you know, I don't, I don't mind this at all, but my friend does. Can he go sit back in the vehicle? You know, he's all nervous. But here's the, here's what I wanted to say about that. Had this happened at night, okay, I would have immediately bashed between the two cars and a high-speed chase to find a law enforcement officer. Right. They hadn't identified themselves. They were unmarked cars like I've seen back in the gangster days where the mafia wanted to collect for football bets from me or something, you know. Right. And it's that's the scary part about it. And why all they had to do was come to my office and say, "Hey, Mike, we want your phone," you know. And then there's, uh, you know, then there's the Peter Navarro treatment that the FBI is, uh, uh, you know, used, uh, which is show up with, uh, you know, making an arrest at the uh, airport, throwing yeah. him in yeah. a cell. There's a, uh, in point of fact, uh, there's the Roger Stone yeah. uh, treatment, which is they show up with like, what. 20, 25 people in, in, with guns uh, in tactical gear at six in the morning. Right. To, we're talking about a, a man who is sound asleep with his wife in their home, 
and they knock on the door. Think about how many people might just react a little uh, uh, protectively of their homes. With that. Exactly. That's and, exactly right. And to see what the FBI has become is, to me, utterly appalling. No, it's disgusting. No, that's exactly right. Look at in Mesa County or in Cal- in, um, in Colorado with the Tina Peters thing. You know, they, they, everyone can look that up. Well, Sharona um, and Tina Peters and others had their doors bashed in by the FBI. Their daughter dragged down the steps with a hoodie, never charged. And uh, in fact, the FBI guys that took my phone, I said, you two are from Colorado. I said, what do you guys like bashing down people's doors and dragging people down the, down the steps? And they go, she didn't open the door fast enough. I oh, said, it was God. 38 seconds. Are, are we all supposed to have FBI timer? 37, 36, come on in. You know, I mean, it was the logic there. And I, I chewed them out, Lou. I said, you guys, I said, you should be ashamed of yourself. Don't you FBI guys have moral competence? I kept him there for two hours and wouldn't let him go till finally the guy goes, we have to go. He goes, no, he didn't. I'm telling him about my book. I'm witnessing to Jesus about him. They're getting all upset. The guy goes, I've been, up, I've been working for the FBI for 30 years. I've never had any stop like this. Mike, we, we're a little busy. I go, you guys stopped me and ruined my day. I said, no. Where what in the world? You're supposed you're to feel sit. sorry for him. The man is. You know, there was five of them, and they go, "We got to go." I go, "No, you're going to sit and listen to me." What? Don't you guys have moral compasses? What you're doing is wrong. I've I got to answer. You're wrong. You know what was their answer? They, they, they we're doing our job. That's the one. We're doing our job. We're taking. We're only taking. And then the one guy goes, "Well, my my brother read your book, Mike, and you know, I go, well, good. Maybe you should read it too." I said, "You need to, you know, you guys need to reach down and see what's happening in your country. They're weaponizing you guys against us, the people." You know, when you say that, we're just following orders or just doing our job. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. I, I think of what's happening on the border. 50,000 Border Patrol agents, they're not doing their jobs. Right. Uh, they're just simply there not fulfilling their oath right. uh, of office right. as agents of the federal government. They're supposed to be defending the Constitution. Mm-hmm. The FBI, they are not fulfilling their oaths to the Constitution right. because they're violating it every single day. Absolutely. And no, no one in these organizations has the character, the integrity right. to stand up and say, to the American people, you know, forgive us. This we have to deal with it. That's exactly right. And, and, and the lack of integrity in our law enforcement agencies, whether it be the Border Patrol, whether it be uh, customs uh, and protection uh, officials, uh, whether it is, uh, you know, the FBI or the Department of Justice, right. these are people who've lost their way. Right. And I'm not talking just, uh, you know, in terms of the, decency and respect for the nation and the oath they took. But they have crossed a line Absolutely. that has nothing to do with America or the values that uh, that are ours, right. the American way. And we pray, too, because you know what I say? Um, just like judges that didn't be the judges, they kick the, stand, kick the can on standing sure. and sanction all these S words I know now. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Sanctioned? What does that mean? I got to pay because I asked to see inside a machine. I got to pay for asking for my evidence. You're crazy. But then you got all these, all the, uh, like you say, these FBI, I don't know, all these guys doing these things. And you're going, well, I believe, number one, that they, you know, they all have families, grandchildren, children. And I believe these last three years now, as things have gotten worse and worse, I believe a lot of them are going to wake up and reach into their moral compass and go, hey, you know, we're part of the destruction. 
we're yeah. part of the destruction. But you've got to have one of them be brave enough. They, right. You know, when they're in a group together, I was pointing them out in that parking lot going, how about you? You got kids, whatever. I mean, I was just chewing them out like, you know, and going, you know, when the crowd then is dispersed watching me chew out these FBI guys, I'm going, it's disgusting. I'm going, you guys, don't you care about the American dream and our you, freedoms and everything, you know? Did you see even a flicker of regret? or remorse in the eyes of any one of those agents. They actually did. There was two of them that I see that, you know, I they, they knew I was making good points. And they had, that's the one guy that said, you know, I've been here, I've been 30 years, I've never had anybody like you sit here and tell, you know, like stand up and tell us this. And I said, you guys have to admit things have changed. If this guy was in there 30 years, that's the one I really went after. And he goes, he goes, you know, you're right, Mike, you know, things have changed. And I said, well, you guys are following orders. Where would you draw the line? If they said, hey, shoot Mike Lindell full of holes, if he, you know, if he bashes through, because I said, I would have went right over you guys if you'd have done this at night. And I almost did it now. I said, I'm on target in this country, and you surround my vehicle. You might just come and say, hey, can we have your phone? I would have said no, just like I am now, but you could have asked. You know, you're not arresting me. It was crazy, and their logic was nuts. But That, that stop that they made was not uh, protocol. It wasn't routine. Nope. That isn't the way in which they are trained to stop a car. They didn't have a warrant, did they? And, um, they had a warrant for the phone. I for think. the phone. Yeah, for the phone. And come to my office, you know, and they, and they followed me down. They had to have a tracking device because they followed me down to Iowa yeah. hunting and coming back. I even asked him, I said, hey, did you see I out hunted my buddy this morning? Uh, you know. <laughs> well, thinking about this and the way it could have gone, could have gone is, it would be really tragic. But there is also the possibility that they were that provocative in the way in which they accosted you mm-hmm. instead of doing what is the routine and decent. It's not exactly you're an unknown commodity uh, in terms of uh, your community or the nation, in right. point of fact. I believe there, there might have been a little bit of that, I think, in the beginning until I got out and put me in yeah. stand. You know, I will tell you this. At, it was really strange at the end. Because I literally wanted to be arrested. They wouldn't arrest me. But then they wanted my phone. I said, no, you're not getting it. And I said, we're at a standoff here. I want to call my lawyer. They wouldn't let me call my lawyer. To, but they were going to take the phone. I said, I want to get arrested. So either you arrest me, you're not getting my phone. And if you want my phone, I'm calling my lawyer. So finally goes, call your lawyer. Well, I got Kurt Olson on the phone. Kurt's going, Mike, give him the phone. I go, no, <laughs> I'm not giving him the phone. <laughs> no. He says, just give him the phone. I said, well, I want to be arrested. Kurt goes, Mike, if you don't give him the phone, you're going to be arrested. I said, well, that's what I want, Kurt. And they, anyway, so they finally get the phone. Now, now they Kurt me, was persuasive. Yeah, persu- yeah. Well, so, so they give me this sheet of paper, these three things that I, they want me to sign. And it's got my picture on it or whatever. Or, and I go, wait a minute. I said, you guys never even checked my ID. How do you know it's even Mike Lindell? And they go, Mike, we know it's you. We see you. you know, but, but then he goes, there's a thing on there. Here's what it said. We, this is part of an ongoing investigation. You can, but we prefer you don't tell anybody about this unless you call Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General, blah, blah, blah. So I signed this. I said, okay, I'll make sure I call the guy. I went on my show that night here on Lindell TV, and I went just like this. Hey, everybody, Attorney, Attorney Johnny Bananas, um, you guys, everybody plug your ears, and I had everybody plug their ears, and I said, Attorney John Bana- Johnny Bananas, I'm going to tell everybody about what the FBI did to me in Hardy's parking lot today. All right, everybody listen up. <laughs> and they listen. And they listen. <laughs> it, you, know, it, this, you know, the stories you've got, 
are remarkable. And that's because you, in point of fact, are engaged in this country's most important issues and you take very seriously your voice and uh, uh, your engagement. And everyone, uh, I have to say, in this, in this perilous year, I hope that you will emulate those uh, values and those, uh, those actions because we have to be engaged. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll, <laughs> I don't know how to advise you if three cars stop you in a parking lot or, or, or a Hardee's. Uh, I had a lot Hardy's of training and weird stuff like that. But, you know, I, I just hope everyone raises their voice. And uh, we really need that. And that's why, you know, here at, uh, here at our network, and by the way, Lou, you've been a blessing to our network. We have to get our voices out there. We have to get the truth out. We have to get, when good things are going on, we have to let people know. And uh, because if you don't know the solutions to the problems, if you don't hear about them, right. people get hope. They feel hopeless. And uh, and that's uh, that's where we're at. And they, uh, I just want people, courage is contagious. I tell people, you can't save your courage for a rainy day because it's pouring. We get one shot at this, and we've got to take it. This is the time is now. I encourage everybody, you want to know and help out, lindellplan.com, lindellplan.com. That's where it's at right now. Mike, thanks for being with us on your show. No, thanks, you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks so much. God bless you, everybody.